Hi, this is Sammy Smiles, and I'm your host, Sammy Vance. This podcast is sure to leave you inspired and with a smile. Now let's get right into it. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the sixth episode of Sammy Smiles. I'm your host, Sammy Vance, and I'm just really excited for today's episode. I'm going to first of all say thank you to Buddy Fruits for helping us set up this podcast. And I'm really happy to have Rebecca Louie as, as my guest today. She's the executive director for the Bee Conservancy, and that is a nonprofit organization established in 2009 um, in response to the bee crisis which is really cool because I've learned a little bit about that. And I'm excited to talk about bees and why they're so important to our world and just all sorts of things about them. So Rebecca, thank you so much for being here today. I am so excited to talk about bees with you, Sammy. Yeah, thank you. So I've known that bees are important for a while, but um, I haven't really known, I guess, in depth the importance of them. Uh, So I remember a few years back actually going to a climate camp and we learned all about um, bees and when preparing for this video I just like all those um, came back and I remember like we got a look at bees and I also remember in third grade we got to dissect the bee. That was interesting. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I learned about like um, pollen and all that and how really a lot of things can grow without bees and they are they play such a huge role in our life that we don't know um but yeah it's just so crazy so what are some of the main foods that that would be gone if we didn't have bees well if we even take a step back it's kind of crazy to think that one in three bites of every food that we eat is pollinated by a bee Um, So that's a third of everything on the planet, on your dinner table, at your Thanksgiving table. Um, And so like foods like almonds, apples, like super dependent on uh, bees to pollinate them. But beyond even the things that we eat, 80% of the entire world's pollinating flowered plants are pollinated by bees. So if you think about any plant anywhere and like its role in sort of the ecosystem, right? Like what feeds on it, where may it grow? 80% of them depend on bees and there's 20,000 species of bees worldwide. So they're super important for both our food systems and for our general environment. That's crazy and not something that I feel like people would know. So I think just like knowing that it's different, I guess it gives you a different outlook kind of on the foods that you eat and you're like, whoa, it's just like, it's so crazy to think about. And yes, thanks for sharing. Um, And like you said, I read um, there's 20,000 different bee species in the world. And I read that not too long ago. And I'm like, what? (laughs) I could not process it. It's just just so crazy. Um, Yeah. And 70% of bees live underground. Who would have known that? I didn't know that. Who? I know. So I'm from New York City. I was born and raised here. And it's basically to me, the equivalent of the subway system. All of these bees underground living in their little tunnels, you know, laying their eggs, fostering their cocoons, saving their food. Um, And it's really worth noting too, like we all think about honeybees when we think of bees, right? Mm -hmm. And like honeybees live in a colony and a colony can be like up to 50,000 bees at the height of the season, which is a lot of bees. But for the most part, the rest of the world's bees live solitary lifestyles. So like one bee, one tunnel underground. 
um, one be, you know, one cavity or hole in a log. And, you know, understanding that is kind of fun because then you think about like the social bees, which are the honeybees, and then all these like kind of cool loners that are just kind of contemplating their souls in their little tunnels underground or in like a, you know, a hole um, in a tree. And it's very different how they live, even though they all do the same process of like pollinating the plants. Yeah, that's crazy. And like you said, the first thing that I think of when I think of bees is honeybees. Um, and there's, I think you, um, I think I also read one time that that only makes up 7% of the 20 or seven, not 7%, seven species of the 20,000 species. Um, and, but there's so many different types. So what are some um, of the different types of bees that you think might surprise everyone? Well, we know bumblebees, they're sort of the next famous bee after the honeybee, you know, they're all cuddly and furry and they um, are underground dwellers and they are semi-social. So they'll live um, maybe in colonies of like 50 to a couple hundred, but they're bees like the fairy bee, which is the smallest bee in the world. It's less than two millimeters, which is like, you know, I don't even know if I can like hold my fingers, you know, that far apart. Um, and they live largely like in the deserts, like in Arizona, the Sonoran Desert. And it's funny because when people try to look for them, they're so small that you, it's even, you don't even really see the bee, you see its shadow moving across the sand because it's a little hard to uh -huh. see. So that's fascinating to me. But then there are other like common species that are across North America, which is home to 4,000 species. Um, so you think of like the leafcutter bee, which lives in a cavity, basically like a hole and kind of like those leafcutter ants, um, they build, uh, rooms for their babies in their, um, dwellings by like cutting leaves and creating little walls. Um, mason bees are another really popular and common species and kind of like a mason, a human mason, they use, uh, mud and soil to like, again, create walls and like spaces, um, as they're shaping their home for their young. So that's just, you know, what was that three, four that I mentioned? <laughs> and a lot of them have subspecies and like vary depending on where you are in the world. But yeah, there's a lot of bees out there. We could spend the next few years talking about them all. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. Now I really want to look up um, fairy bees because that just done, that sounds really interesting to me. I really, I'm going to look that up after this. Yay. <laughs> but yeah, it's really cool how there's so many and it's like most people wouldn't even think about it. So I was, it was really cool for me to like look um, at all the different kinds. They're not all of them, but some of them. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, and also, it's Women's History Month uh, this month, so I was, yeah, I was really excited, um, and I thought it was really neat when I learned that 90% of a honey beehive is female, and yeah. yeah, they do all the jobs that worker bees do, and I, uh, so before, I just thought it was, like, the queen bee that was female, and, like, um, they had that power, but I didn't know that 90% of, like, it was female. So that's just really cool for me to learn uh, when I learned that. And um, yeah, so what are some jobs that worker bees do? And um, can you maybe elaborate a little bit more on the women and for sure. Yeah. So this is one of my favorite kind of stories to tell because people don't realize, you know, they kind of like, you know, the queen bee and they're like, oh, okay, female. Uh, that makes sense because she lays eggs and she lays like 
up to 2,000 eggs a day during the laying season, which is a lot of eggs. Um, but as she's building up that population, you know, who's taking care of the hive? So when you ask, like, what kinds of jobs do they do? Basically, everything because it's a society right in there with again like up to 50,000 bees um, those workers are nurses to the eggs and the larvae they're the foragers who go out to fly and find pollen and nectar they're literally secreting wax out of their bodies and building that beautiful honeycomb and if someone tries to invade whether it's something like maybe trying to get at the honey or um, you know sometimes creatures like in, in the cooler weather like to go into a, a a hive for warmth because the bees stay actually very warm together in a cluster. They're guard bees who will like attack um, and protect the hive from all these types of invaders. Um, the queen herself has a group of attendants who just like kind of follow her around. They make sure she's fed and she gets to where she needs to be and they keep it clean. Um, so basically any job that you can kind of imagine in the real world that keeps society going, like housekeeper bees, there's there's undertaker bees that like drag out dead bees because you know they don't want to they keep the space very clean and they don't want the dead bodies just lying around. Um, basically any job in the human world that you can imagine to keep a society running more or less kind of exists in a beehive and it's all the females and then that leads people to ask well so what 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 are the boys the drones um, and they do have a job. So I should say there's one job that the other workers can't do. Um, and what the drones do is provide genetic material for the queen. So, you know, as I mentioned, she's laying one to 2000 eggs a day. At some point she has to meet some lovely gentleman bees um, and make some magic with them. And she only takes one flight out of the nest ever to meet these young gentlemen. And then she comes back ready to lay for up to five years. Wow. No, I think that's crazy. Yeah. Um, and actually one more crazy fact, which is kind of interesting. And I feel this always shocks people. So, you know, because the drone bees have this one job, um, when the winter comes, and now we're heading into spring, but, you know, right now there are no drones in the hive. And the reason why is when the, when the weather starts getting colder, all the workers are like, oh, you know, hey, Dave and John and all you lovely drones. Um, it was really fun hanging out with you and getting all your food and cleaning up after you and taking care of you when you were a baby and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, you didn't save any of this honey for us. And so it was really fun, but you are no longer in the colony. And then they drag all of the drones out for the winter. Um, and then they kind of like, you know, and those guard bees are definitely like there, like, no, you're not coming back in, that's it. Uh, and then, you know, I mean, you know, the drones did get to live rent free, uh, food free, kind of on like a lovely meal plan. So this is how, this is how the society works. Wow, no, I love how like, <laughs> I love how it relates to human world, like the human world. I think that's so crazy and like how it's so close. And that last fact, I. That's so interesting. <laughs> Love that. Um, but yeah, it's just like I didn't even know that it had that they had all those jobs to do. That's just it's so cool. And um, you know, learning about all these bees and the bee facts, it makes me realize how important bees are, like I mentioned at the beginning. And I think that I will definitely look with the new appreciation towards bees. Um, and 
I they go in or above or underground, you know, I'll just think of them in new light because, you know, sometimes they can be annoying, but they help us so much. And mm -hmm. I think that's really cool. And I think it's important for people to realize that. Uh, so can you tell us why they are in danger and what we can do about it? Absolutely. And I'm so glad you asked that question. Um, so the why, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, one, they're losing their habitat, right? Like, so on the one hand, there's things like development, which makes sense. We're taking down natural spaces or putting up buildings and things like that. But they're also losing their food source because where there are green spaces, people aren't really planting for bees. So if you think about like ornamental stuff, like, oh, I live in X state, but I'm going to pick this like beautiful plant from, you know, somewhere in South America that just doesn't belong here. Um, and I'm going to grow it in my garden because it's pretty or it's, you know, it's functionally cool. Um, what you're actually doing when you're making that choice is taking away an opportunity for a native bee to feed on the food that it's evolved to feed off of. And so you, you might hear a lot about people talking about, you know, plant native plants. That's what it means. Like there's a reason that things have like grown in specific regions and they flourish there. Um, and there's a whole ecosystem that depends on them. So that's one reason why some bees are struggling because there's not enough food. Um, then there's this fact of chemical pesticides, not great. Um, they're affecting all of our insect species right now. And, you know, it, it, insects are very important to the food chain. They serve a lot of pollinator services. And so when we start thinking about the loss of insects, on the one hand, you might be like, oh, okay, cool. I'm not getting as many bites in the summertime or what have you. But the bigger implications are really scary because so many elements in the environment depend on them. So, you know, when you ask what we can do, like instead of pesticides, there's a lot of other um, strategies you can have. Uh, to garden care that are a lot more holistic, that are organic practices that have to do with maybe, um, you know, treating your, your soil a different way and like bringing plant health with other strategies. And so vowing to step away from chemical pesticides is a big deal. Um, we did talk about those underground bees. And I will say another fun tip is just don't mulch. You know, people love mulch in their gardens. They want to block those weeds. I get it. But if you can, but when you do that, you're basically putting a carpet over someone's house that they can't get in and out of, right? Mulch is like a thick cover. So not mulching is a great way to save space for them. Um, things like climate change are impacting bees. You know, as temperatures change, plants are doing weirdo things, um, or there's like, you know, very dramatic weather that's also imp impacting their food sources and their homes. So, you know, that's posing a real danger to bees. Like if the apple crop, hits a weird frost and all the blossoms fall off, all those bees that were ready to chow down on apple blossoms have nothing. Um, similarly, if you're flooding areas, you know, that ground is going to be so saturated and ruined. And like, it's just, it's very complex. Everything on this planet is so interdependent. Um, but yeah, there are plenty of small things that we can do that make a big difference for bees. You know, I mentioned a couple of gardening practices. Um, there's, of course, just educating oneself and like learning <clears throat> about all the amazing ways that bees touch us um, and touch like, you know, our day to day lives uh, and hopefully taking that into action. So whether that's educating more people on the things that they can do, um, hosting a fundraiser or supporting a local beekeeper or bee club, bringing bee habitats to your schools or community spaces. Um, planting things. And again, those native species is so important. Um, so those are all like pretty 
simple things I like to think that people could do because they're probably doing them anyway. And it's just about making a slightly different decision when you're doing the act um, that will really, really foster the health and longevities of local bees. Yeah, I love that. And I challenge everyone to take action to help save the bees because I don't know where we'd be without them. But yeah, um, thanks for sharing all that. And I also have recently teamed up with Buddy Fruits to spread awareness of being kind and being a buddy, something that I am very personally very passionate about. And I know that you have teamed up with Buddy Fruits as well. So can you tell us a little bit about that collaboration and what you guys are doing? Sure thing. So um, Buddy Fruits reached out to us uh, because they're, of course, committed to sustainability, uh, but also are very invested in education and um, young people in general and how they interact. And so for me, or for the Bee Conservancy, I should say, um, we talked a lot about different ways that we can collaborate. And we are so excited to launch a comic book um, later this spring that is, you know, a story featuring four different bee species. There's a blue orchard mason bee, and there is one of those fairy bees in there. Um, a honeybee, a bumblebee, and a wasp. And, you know, there's stories kind of a friendship and bullying, or is it bullying? Like maybe people are just misunderstood. Collaboration, learning from each other, communication, all in the context with a lot of like fun bee facts. <laughs> so um, you get to learn about different species, how they live, but also hopefully uh, take away a story of like what we can really do together to kind of overcome our differences and really like learn to be better buddies for each other. I love that. And I'm so excited to read it and see it. Um, so yeah. And before we get onto rapid fire round, is there anything else you want to cover? Um, no, I think we've covered a ton and I'm just so grateful that you're giving bees a little bit of a platform uh, for your audience. And I really hope and I'm excited to hear how you and your listeners um, get out there and make the world more bee friendly. Yeah, I'm so excited. Um, so uh, how can we, for, before we get onto the round, actually, how can we find more about the Bee Conservancy? Oh, thanks for asking. Um, you can find us at thebeeconservancy.org. Uh, we're also on Instagram and Facebook. Our handles are all slightly different on each of them, so you'll have to uh, look it up. But we're really excited uh, to have people join our online communities because it's a great place to talk. Um, and also on our website, there are different items that you can download that are like activities, worksheets. Um, and also like if you want to reach out to us, we have a contact form there as well. So we look forward to hearing from anyone and everyone about all their bee questions. Yeah, so make sure to follow them in their amazing journey. And now, if you're ready, then I'm ready for a fire. Okay, let's do it. All right. Favorite color? Turquoise. Oh, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Favorite food. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Favorite food. Oh, tacos? Uh, favorite quote? Uh, wow, that one's really hard. Um, it's a very long Barack Obama quote that I don't know off the top of my head, um, but maybe I could send it to you later. Yeah. <laughs> um, favorite animal? Uh, dogs. Uh, most interesting bee fact, you think? Hmm. The queen, again, when she emerges from her cell, she actually goes to the other cells. There's several queens, you know, that are kind of gestating in real time and kills them uh, to make sure that 
you know, she got out first. And this is her jam. Wow, I did not like know that. Yeah, it's like a television show. It's very dramatic. Oh, wow. I'd love to watch that sometime. <laughs> <laughs> um, would you rather speak all languages or be able to speak to animals? Oh. But would knowing all languages include the languages of all animals? Would they? Ooh. Would it? That's a good, yeah. <laughs> In which case, that. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I think there's been one other person who said that on my podcast, and I'm like, good thinking. <laughs> um, so, yeah, if you could have lunch with anyone in the world, dead or alive, who would it be? Hmm, I would love to have lunch with Michelle Obama. That would be so cool, yeah. Um, do you prefer hot or cold? Hmm, in terms of food or weather? In general, just in general, I guess, mm, yeah. I guess cold, that's, that's interesting, yeah, cold. Yeah, um, so for the last question to ask all my guests, what is something that makes you smile? Something that I love is watching people discover things together and find joy together um, because there's a special magic that happens like when people experience delight in the direction of like change and making things and collaborating um, so that will across the board always make me smile I'll watch any video or meme about people like just doing great things together <laughs> I love that same yeah um, so thank you so much for being on my podcast, really. This is such an amazing conversation. I loved it. I um, really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you so much. And thank you to Buddy Fruits as well for um, helping us get this podcast. And I hope that everyone remembers to be kind and have a beautiful day. <laughs> I'm, yeah. Great puns, I know. Nailed it. <laughs> um, Perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. and remember that you don't just have been dealt to make difference. You could be a kid too. I hope you have a great day. Bye. All right. Thank you. Thank you.